Uh, take, take your Bible. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, after the sermon today, we will be having communion. So if you didn't get your little communion set up, uh, Bill Larios will have some available for you. We'll, we'll address that later. But 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. Um, I want to read verses 6 through 9 right now. So uh, let's do that, and then we'll pray over this message. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. Uh, if you're at home, by the way, please uh, take a minute, get your communion elements together. Uh, we'll do it at the, end of the ser- at the end of the sermon today. Verse number 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom in this great nation to be here, to study and proclaim and preach your word today. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint this message by your Holy Spirit. Let it touch people's hearts, O God. Let it make us better. And in the process, we, we trust that you will be honored. You will be glorified through it. And Lord, that we'll have a clear direction and vision for this new year of 2021 after hearing this word today. So thank you for it. May your blessing and anointing be on me, Lord, to proclaim it the way you want. We give you all thanks and all glory. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Well, I've entitled the message today, New Vision for 2021. And as I was preparing, I couldn't stop thinking about physical vision. Now, vision is a great gift from the Lord. Can I get an amen right there? If you could see, it's a, it's a blessing. But you can't really appreciate it until, until you lose it or you lose some of it anyway. Uh, I was in my late 40s when uh, the doctor told me that I needed uh, reading glasses. And uh, I went all that time without having any need for glasses. And I thought, well, I'm never going to need glasses. But by my uh, end of my late 40s, uh, the doctor said, no, you need reading glasses. You beat the curve. You beat the norm, actually. Normally, men need reading glasses earlier. So I beat the norm for whatever that's worth. But I was reminded when uh, I was a teenager, my father, as his tradition was, would always read the newspaper after dinner. And uh, we would have dessert and hang around and walk through the living room. And, and he said to me one day, he said, hey, Ricky, uh, come here, read this to me. Read this. I can't, I can't read it. And I said, what's the matter with your eyes? You can't read that? And, he, and so I read it to him. No problem. You know, f- very fine print. I said, what's the matter? I can't read. I was kind of ribbing him, you know. He looked at me and he said, just wait. <laughs> and I've been waiting for a long time, but in my end of my 40s, I needed my reading glasses. And with my glasses, I could, I could see pretty well, thank the Lord. Without my glasses, I have a hard time reading. I, I can't do things that, 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 uh, that uh, require uh, like, like my fine dexterity skills. I can't see things clearly without wearing glasses. Uh, if I do, everything's blurry and distorted, and it's very frustrating. I have noticed that light helps my reading. 
Like if I have a bright light coming on, like these lights are good for right now, but the more light I have, the better I see for some reason. I also notice that sometimes I need to rest my eyes because if I'm reading from my phone or my, uh, my uh, laptop, uh, sometimes the glare of the screen just bothers my eyes and they, they get kind of sore. And I, even with my glasses, it gets blurry. And I need to rest and, and take care of my vision. So I've learned the value of my vision during this time. I, I appreciate my vision. Um, thanks to my wife, I even go to the optometrist twice a year to get a checkup. That's a new thing in my life, but I, I think that's important to do. So thinking of that makes me think about our spiritual vision. And our spiritual vision, I have to tell you, is way more important than our physical vision. And our physical vision is really, really important. But I've noticed there's a similar pattern with our spiritual vision and our physical vision. For instance, when I was newly saved, when I was young in the Lord, my spiritual vision was absolutely crystal clear. It was sharp. It was focused. I knew where I came from. I knew what I got delivered out of. I knew exactly where I was going. And when I started to read the Word of God, physically read it, it spiritually jumped off the page into my heart. I was amazed at the Word of God. I was spiritually enlightened by everything that was going on around me. When I read uh, the the passage that Jesus was teaching on, on the narrow road, I could see it. I could see what he was talking about. When when he mentioned about the wide road that leads to destruction and the narrow road that leads to eternal life, I could picture it in my mind's eye, in my spiritual being. And uh, I, I had a very clear path. Now, after many years of serving the Lord and being in the ministry and working with so many people and so many different circumstances that come up in people's lives, I've noticed a few things. That sometimes as life goes on, as the clock keeps ticking and the seasons change and the new years come and go, I've noticed that sometimes our spiritual vision is strained or blurry or tired. Sometimes we can't see as clearly as we did before. We can't see the way like we used to. And our spiritual life suffer as a result of it. We, we, we have a lot of indecision. We have, we have a, a lack of anointing because our spiritual vision is cloudy. And it's hard to function effectively with that handicap in our lives. The point is, we must take care of our spiritual eyes much more than our physical eyes. So I want to ask you, church, I want to ask those of you at home today, how is your spiritual vision right now on January the 3rd, 2021? Can you believe we're in 2021? Now we're, now we're saying, where did 2020 go? It just seems like yesterday we were there. Others are saying, well, hallelujah, it's, it's glad 2020 is over. But 2021, how is your spiritual vision? Is it in good working order? If not... Uh, you, we may fall short of, of reaching that potential individually or collectively that God has for us. Worse than that, some people crash and burn because their spiritual vision is not good. It's not healthy. It's not clear. And, and they, they, they will no, they no longer function and produce the life that God wants them to produce because they can't see the way. So with that as a background, I want to 
preach to you on new vision for 2021. Upon this passage, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 9, I have to tell you, the vision, the eyes that we had for 2020 are no longer uh, applicable to 2021. How we got through then was great for then. This is a new time and a new season. We've been here 14 years. We're starting our 14th year of ministry at New Life. Praise the Lord. When we had the vision to come here 14 years ago, that was one thing. That won't do now. We need a fresh vision, a fresh anointing for now. The things that we did five years ago as a church, they won't happen now. It's a different time, a different season, a different anointing is necessary to do what God wants us to do. Because we serve a living God. He's not the same as, you know, he's the same, but he's not doing the same things as he did in our past. He wants to do a new thing. Isaiah 43, I, 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 I go back to that scripture often. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. And this haunting phrase that the Lord echoes right here. Will you not be aware of it? It just kind of it makes me think like, oh my goodness. God could be doing a new thing and it may go right over our heads. Because we're not spiritually tuned in to what he's doing. It's like getting the new wine into the new wineskins, isn't it? You can't put the new wine in the old wineskin. It'll crack the old wineskin. New wine has to go into a new wineskin where it could grow and develop and expand the way God wants it to. So the point is, God is doing a new thing. And if we see clearly, we'll catch it. If we're not seeing clearly, we won't catch it. And I won't go into what will hinder our vision. I think it's pretty obvious. But if we're, if we're in the world or in the flesh or in, in ungodly things, we will miss the spiritual significance of what God is doing this day. So I want to go into this passage, 1 Peter 5, and I broke it down into an overview. We just want to talk about a few things. And, uh, and I want to apply this to our situation. So first we'll have an overview, then we'll make some points for application, and then uh, we'll go into a time of communion. But the first thing we see, verses 1 through 4, the first thing that, that Peter addresses here is the elders of the church, the shepherds, the pastors, the leaders. And he gives clear and concise direction for the leadership of the churches that he's writing to. Can I tell you something right off the bat? If there's not clear leadership for any church, you might as well forget about it. It will be the the blind leading the blind in that case. The leadership has got to be established and focused and firmly ingrained in the things of God. If the leadership's not stable, the church will not be stable. So the leadership here sets the tone. If you look at this, uh, Peter says, uh, the elders who are among you, I exhort you elders. I'm a fellow elder. I'm one of you, he says. And and I want to exhort the elders, the leaders, the pastors, you know, the shepherds of the church. Verse number two, shepherd the flock. You know, you, you elders, you have to shepherd the flock. You have to tend to it, feed it, nurture it, help it. Uh, get them out of trouble when they get in trouble. And I always want to preface this by saying the shepherds have to be willing to serve like that. But you know what else? Guess what? The sheep have to be willing to be led by the shepherd. Some sheep in, on, the, on, the, uh, on the pasture, they don't want to listen to the shepherd. 
That's why the shepherd has that long staff and, you know, pops them on the head and gets them. Well, we don't do that, but <laughs> it's not a bad idea, come to think of it. Uh, but the shepherd has to be willing to serve and nurture and feed, but the sheep have to be willing to receive. And he goes on verses 2 and 3 just quickly. Uh, don't, don't do this, elders, by, like you have to. Do it because you want to. Do it like it's a privilege. It is an absolute privilege to be called to be a shepherd. And don't do it like, like with a, with the attitude of dishonest gain, like you're going to get something out of it, whether it's prestige or power or money. Forget about that. That's not the right reason to be in ministry. If that's the case, you might as well forget about that church right off the bat. It's time to redo that church. If the leadership's not right, nothing will be right. And he's saying, you know, uh, train up people, serve as an overseer. In other words, there's got to be other, other things going on that you could oversee. So there's got to be people that rise up and take different ministries, different responsibilities. You oversee. You can't do everything. Don't even try. But oversee what's going on. And, and uh, he goes on, do it willingly. Don't do it like begrudgingly. And be examples. You know, be examples. And then he says in verse number four, when, when, uh, when uh, the chief shepherd appears, oh, when Jesus comes back, all the shepherds, the under shepherds will receive the crown of glory. So the reward is not even here, actually. The reward is there when you get right down to it. So the first thing Peter's saying here, and now, now we're trying to get clear vision for our church, right? It's got to start with the leadership. But secondly, and I love this, verse number five, Peter says, likewise, you younger people. Well, who's, who are the younger people? I thought about that. I thought, wow, in our church, everybody's just about as younger than I am. <laughs> but who are the younger people, you know? Well, younger people, there's two aspects of younger people. Uh, younger people would probably mean people like 40-ish years old and younger. You know, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at, at the younger people are those that are younger in the Lord. Younger coming to the faith. They may be older chronologically, but younger in the faith. But in either case, younger people submit to the elders. This is a clear vision for, for a healthy church right here. You got the leadership going, and you got the congregation that's submitted to the leadership. This is how it's supposed to be, church. This is like sounding a clear trumpet that uh, the Lord raises up leaders that are submitted to God, that feed the flock. The flock is submitted to the leaders, and, and, the, and the younger people are, are submissive to those leaders. Uh, so I want to ask you, I want to ask those at home, can you, how's your spiritual vision right about now? Because if your spiritual vision isn't, isn't in tune with the Holy Spirit, you won't see this. And you won't want to do this either. It'll be cloudy and blurry and distorted. And you know, a lot of churches function with a lot of distortion. Because they don't see this clearly. This is all for our, our own good, but I'll get to that in a second. And notice that, that uh, he's, verse number five, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Can I just say something right here? He didn't say submit yourself to the TV preacher. Submit yourself to the podcast pre preacher that you listen to. Submit yourself to the YouTube preacher or the radio preacher. No, he said submit yourself to the elders that are in your lives. 
that are in your church that you can see eyeball to eyeball. You can sit down and have a conversation. And, 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 and these elders can pour into your life. They could mentor you and, and, and help you and help you grow and develop and, and confront you and love you and, and deal with your issues. Listen, Timothy had Paul. You can't deny it. Sooner or later, Paul turned him loose, but Timothy had Paul in the, in the beginning. Mark had Peter. Joshua had Moses. Elisha had Elijah. And so the pattern is set that, that we, we need mentors, and there's a, a built-in way that God has done the church that's effective. Sometimes you wonder, why isn't the church effective anymore? Well, probably because it's not following the biblical pattern. A lot of independence, a lot of hard-headedness, a lot of unwillingness to flow with the Spirit of God, because you know why? I know better than everybody. No, 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 no. That's the wrong attitude. In fact, it goes on, and let's just, let's just continue here. Verse number 5b. So not only the leadership is addressed, not only the younger people are addressed. Verse 5b says, yes, all of you. So whether you're a leader, whether you're a younger person, a newer Christian, or a younger, whatever. Everybody, everybody has to be submitted to one another. That is an awesome, awesome statement. And I don't think you can do that across the TV lines with a congregation of 10,000 people and you're sitting in your living room. I can't, I don't see that happening. I see it happening in a local church and I, I don't want to go on that, but you know how I feel about the local church. The local church is paramount to the cause of Christ. Absolutely paramount. So we see in verse 5b, be submissive to one another, respect one another. Uh, talk to one another, listen to one another, uh, be clothed with humility. You know, you know what this means to be submissive to one another? It's a little bit hard to understand, actually. But what I think it means is, in other words, when someone, you, you get to know someone, let them, let them have the floor. Let them talk. Submit to them. You know, let them have the, 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 the rain for a little bit. It doesn't always have to be about you. He says, be submit, you know, submit to everybody. Just let there be submission to every. Lift other people up more than yourself. That, that end of verse 5, the Lord says, uh, uh, um, he resists the proud. He resists the ones that always has to be the center of attention. You know what I mean? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He lifts them up. So, so uh, there's a clear vision here. There's leaders, there's a plan. There's the younger people, there's a plan. Everybody else, there's a plan for the church to thrive and to grow. Now, now verse number 6, I, I, I think there's something so important here. The word is therefore. You see, if there wasn't a verse number 6 and 7, up until now, what we have is basically uh, an organization, like a social organization. You have leadership, you have young people, you have everybody else, they're all working together. Well, a lot of social organizations have that, right? But in verse number 6, we're saying, therefore, you have that, right? Now, now, let God breathe into it, right? Let God do what he wants to do with you all that are submitted together to one another. Now submit yourselves to God, verse number 6. Submit yourselves, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. 
he may exalt you in due time. Due time? What's due time? I think we could say uh, due time is his time. When he wants to do it, it's going to happen. So due time is when he does it, <laughs> not our time. But when we submit to him uh, in this setting, uh, we, we, uh, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt us, and we cast all our care upon him. Listen, the leadership has cares. The younger people have cares. Everybody else has cares and concerns. But we cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. You see the progression? So for me, when I see this passage, I see a clear, uh, a clear vision for a new life in 2021. I'll get to that in a minute. But there's the leaders, there's the younger people, and there's everybody else. And then verses 8 and 9, uh, ultimately this whole thing is for a purpose. This whole thing is because whether we admit it or not, and, I, and I'm, I'm one, I'm somewhat hesitant, although I'm a little bit more willing nowadays, to give too much credit to Satan. However, we'd be naive and ill-informed to think he has nothing to do with it. We're fighting an enemy of our soul. Verses 8 and 9. Why is there structure? Why are there leaders? Why are young people instructed to submit? Why is everyone instructed to submit to one another? And then to come under the banner of, of God? Why? Why that? Because there's an enemy that wants to kill us and destroy us and take away everything good that God's been doing in our lives. Many people will accept the Lord and you never see them again. You wonder what happened to them. But when you get plugged into a church with the proper leadership and one another and submission going on and together serving God, the enemy is held at bay. So he's saying, you got to fight this fight, verses 8 and 9. Uh, be sober. Be sober. Be clear-minded. Don't be influenced by drugs or alcohol or dopamine, which is a rush that you get from certain things. Don't, don't be influenced by other things, but be sober-minded. Be clear. Be pure. Be holy. Be uh, un- untainted by the worldly system. Be sober. Otherwise, you won't see it. If you're not sober, you're not going to see it. Your vision will be blurred. And he says to be vigilant, keeping watch, being determined, being persistent, being, you know, being uh, alert and, and on the lookout all the time. Because the enemy wants to come to, to destroy us, to devour us, as in John 10.10, 10, as in Ephesians 6, the armor of the Lord chapter. So he says in verse number 9, resist him. Being steadfast in the faith. Why are you going to be steadfast in the faith? Well, that's why you have leaders. That's why you have brothers and sisters that you're submitted to. That's why you come under the mighty hand of God. You, 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 you're, you're steadfast. You're, you're grounded and rooted. And whatever comes your way, you're not going to falter because God is your strength. And the enemy won't be able to penetrate. And I want this so bad for new life in 2021. So, I, you know, in, in the, the end of the, uh, verse number 9, uh, the same sufferings. Sufferings? Oh, we suffer sometimes. But the same sufferings are going on through all the brotherhood all over the world. 
Can I just say something right here? Those brothers and sisters that are suffering in Springfield, Mass, they're suffering. If that's not a spiritual attack, I don't know what it is. Have your church burned down? How would you feel if this building was, turned, was burned down or attempted to with, with the idea that people didn't like us because of our color or because of our race? How would you like that? I wouldn't like that at all. And so we, we are joining with brothers and sisters of you know, different churches, but we have to realize there's an enemy that wants to disrupt what God is doing. And I don't know about anybody else. I'm determined not to let the enemy disrupt what God's doing here. You know, and I, just a little bit of this, you know, the COVID thing. Uh, I did miss a Sunday. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Great message that Sunday. But after that, man, I was determined. I'm not going to let this thing keep me down. I can't afford to be. I can't afford that. I don't want to give him an upper hand in my life. Not that everything is Satan, but a lot of it is. But I wanted to fight. I wanted to press on and press through. And even though we may not, here's a word, even though we may not feel like coming to church, guess what? We come or we sign on live stream because we know we need to be here one way or the other. We need this, whether in person or on live stream. We need the word of God. We need times to worship God. You know, if you're anything like me, if, if I'm not structured in, in you know, what I'm going to do, I, it go, the day goes by me. It's easy to miss a day of doing anything unless you have it planned out what you want to do. Well, this is our time to worship and hear the word of God. This is important. And if we don't do that, you see, our spiritual vision is really affected. And we don't see things right. We start to see things a little bit strange. And cloudy and blurry. It's not right. And things happen and we react a different way than we would have if we were really close to the Lord. So I want to I give you three things to think about here. New vision for 2021. And I want to, uh, you know, I want to preach on these three subjects. Uh, won't be very long, but I want to give you three, three major things to think about. Number one is this. We must have and we must respect. We must and we must respect the strong leadership at New Life. Now, I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying we need to continue. The role of leadership here is the role of a servant leader. Uh, as a shepherd, I want to take care. I want to nurture. I want to help the body of Christ. I want to protect the sheep. I want to be involved. I want to you know, be a prayer warrior for the church. I want to be there in the physical as well as the spiritual. I want to be there emotionally to help. But the leadership of this church has got to be strong. Let me remind you of what the leadership consists of. We have the pastor. We have the associate pastor. We have the church administrator. We have the youth pastor. We have the kids pastor. We have a worship pastor. We have the advisory board. We have a unity ministry. We have the missions department. We have an ushering team. We have a whole bunch of leadership in the church. And it's all very, very important. The church can only be as strong as the leadership of the church. They're all important positions. And they're all important people. I want to give you some suggestions. Those of you at home, write this down if you can. But when you think of the leadership of this church, I'm going to ask you a couple of things. I want you to pray for the leadership of this church. 
Pray for me and Pamela. And when I was home with COVID two, three weeks ago, I was so blessed to know people were texting me and calling and stuff. I'm praying for you. You don't know what that meant for me. It meant the world to me that people were praying for me. And, and for Pamela. But you need to pray, and I want to ask you, pray for the leaders by name to the Lord. Make it a daily thing, if you can. Consistently praying for the leadership of this church. Mention them by name. Mention their family. Um, it's called prayer cover. You know what I mean? It's called prayer cover. It's that God would protect the leadership of this church. I've said it before on the various live streams. So many pastors during since March have gotten discouraged, uh, sick, emotionally troubled, or whatever. They resign their positions during this whole season because they're discouraged. And they feel like, what's the use? I can't do it anymore. And I can't tell you how important it is for, for the church to be praying for the leadership of that church. Here's another thing. We need to speak well of our leaders amongst each other. If there's any grumbling or griping going on or talking about this leader or that leader, or that ministry of the church, God will not move in that situation. The church will be stymied. It'll be stuck because there's resistance. So when you speak about the leadership of the church, speak well of the leadership. And not to mention, speak to the leadership. Like, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. I, 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 I learned a lot from what you did or what you said. I value you as a person in my life. You don't know how, what a blessing that is for the leaders to hear something from the congregation. One of the Proverbs says, a, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold, right? A word fitly spoken is such a blessing. When I was home, I'm telling you, I heard people were praying for me. Man, I was so blessed. I heard, I got, I got the, the feedback from our Wednesday night Bible studies. I, don't, I see all the comments as we're going through it. But uh, I can't comment till later. But when I go back later, I see comments and the people are appreciative. You don't know what that does to my spirit. It makes me feel like, oh, it is worth it after all. Because I'll tell you what, being a pastor, being a church leader can be a very lonely existence sometimes. You may not think so. But when all the hustle and bustle goes away, there, there they go back home into their retreat. And you begin to wonder, what's going on? Are people hearing me? Do people respond to me? Are they going to this church or that church? They're not appreciating what we do. The whole thing is like, it plays a, a, a game on your mind after a while. And why is this important to respect the leadership? Verses 8 and 9 is the reason why. Because there's an enemy that would love to come in and destroy the leadership. If the leadership goes down, the church is going down. We need a prayer team praying for the leaders of this church and, and speaking good words over them, encouraging them in their walk and in their ministry. Amen. I feel the amen right there. I feel it. <laughs> Here's number two. We must submit to I, I, I spent some time pondering really what this meant. Uh, verse 5, submit to your elders, all of you be submissive to one another, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What a, what a great couple of thoughts right there. 
But for the, for the vision of 2021, we as a congregation really need to be submissive to one another. What do I mean? We need to see every, every person as really valuable and precious. Every person is valuable. We submit to the, the, the essence of who another person is. We, we submit to them. They may not look like us, think like us, been where we've been or whatever, but they're a person created in the image of God that we would do well to submit to. And let them have the floor, let them have the, the reins, so to speak. Be humble and be submissive to them. Let them have, the, let them have time to, to communicate and to express who they are and what their needs are. See, this is very important. Last Wednesday night I had this this thing happened unplanned, but as I was teaching from Romans 12, I felt like the Lord was laying on my heart that this year for new life is going to be the year of diversity. Some of you may remember me saying that. I said, 2021 is going to be the year of diversity at new life. And it fits right into this message that in order for that to happen, we've got to see people with a spiritual eye. We can't see people with our fleshly eye. It'll never happen otherwise. So when we see a, a black brother come in, or brown brother, an Asian brother or sister, or a white person, or a Native American, it doesn't matter. That those, every person is valuable. Every single one. And everyone has something to say, may I say. Everybody has something to say. If you give them a minute, they'll give you a, they'll give you a minute's worth of information. Everybody has something to say, and they should. So to be submissive means to allow them the opportunity to let themselves be real with us, with the church. All I can remember, and I, I go back, one of the blessings of Wednesday night, I think some of you may know this, but a couple of weeks ago there were some guys on there, believe it or not, from our old church in Rockingham, North Carolina, that I reconnected with on Facebook, haven't seen these guys in 35 years. And here they are on, on the Wednesday night Bible study. And we're talking like we're old friends. And, you know, it was an amazing moment. But I, I remembered in the early days of our, my life, my Christian life, that church down there in Rockingham, they embraced me. They loved me. They saw value in me. It was an awesome experience. In fact, my friend Tommy wrote this week, we were talking about... Uh, we were talking about uh, racial issues and ethnic issues. He wrote down, he said, yeah, you were, you were my first Italian friend. He remembered that. That's, how I, that's the, you know, the impression, but that was important to him. But he, he allowed me to be me. I, we were in a different culture, let me tell you. We were in a southern culture in the late 70s. It was a different world back then, but it was, it was good. It was just different for us being from New York. But I'm just saying, we, we need to submit to one another and, and, and just allow you know, God to move. And not only racial, it's not only racial. I say primarily, but not only. What about elderly people? Some people don't like old people. Some people don't like teenagers. And some people don't like, I'm saying, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Everybody has value here. Everybody. Here's a quote. No one of us is any more valuable than the other. We're all valuable in God's eyes because we're all made in God's image. You, you know, homeless people may come in here. Addicted people, I pray that they do come in here. 
There may be people coming in with with, uh, sexual identity conflicts. I hope they come in here and experience the love of God and the grace of God as, as it flows through this congregation. Let me give you some suggestions here. If your spiritual eyes are good, and you can, you can take notice that someone's not in the church service, someone's not making comments in the live stream, and you recognize, oh, where's brother so-and-so? Haven't seen him in a while. Can you begin to pray for them? Just pray for them. If you have their number, give them a text or a call. Just let them know that you care about them, that you miss them. If someone's sick and you hear about someone being sick, just maybe, maybe they might need a meal. Maybe they, they may need someone to go to the store for them. You know, some people are sick and have family to take care of them. Some people are sick and they have nobody to take care of them. Could you imagine? So if you see someone's out for sickness, maybe they need some attention. If someone's troubled, if someone has you know, some issues going on, uh, they just need someone to listen to, someone to pray with, someone's hurting, befriend them. Make the first move. That's how we submit to one another. So my, my thought for 2021 under this issue is to embrace someone that's different than you are. Age, race, status. Invite other people to church. Invite people to our live stream. You know, we have people all over the country that go on that live stream. It's amazing to me. So God is using the live stream to touch hearts. But, but uh, if, we want to, if we want to see God move in 2021, I believe we've got to learn to be submissive to one another. And the third thing is this. We really need to keep fighting the real enemy. You know, the real enemy is not people. The real enemy is Satan. He prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And uh, so be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, being steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Can I just take a minute and and talk about this? Who do you think is behind all the confusion in the world? And you have to admit, there is so much confusion. I just thought of a song from the 60s, uh, world of confusion, I think of the name, by the temptations. Ball of confusion. Ball of what a great song. And it was confusing back then. It's even worse today. And why is it confusing? God is not the author of confusion. Man could be confused, but when man is influenced by Satan, forget it. It's a mess. And the world right now is a mess. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of lies going out. A lot of lies, you know, going out through the media, uh, through different avenues. You don't even know what to believe anymore. You hear one news channel, you, you get that. You hear another one, you a completely different story. You don't know what to believe. And who's the father of lies? Jesus said Satan is the father, is a liar and the father of it. Satan is behind all of this stuff. Who's behind, listen to this, the $12 billion pornography industry in America alone. 12 billion. I can't even think about it. You know, we think in terms of paying bills and maybe getting a, a secondhand car. You know, we need money for those things. 12 billion dollars in pornography. And you wonder what's wrong with our society? That's a big problem. That has permeated everything. 97 billion dollars worldwide, according to the article I read. 2020 stats, 
51% of children ages 11 through 13 have been exposed to and view pornography. 66% of children 14 to 15, same thing. 70% of children 16 to 17 exposed and viewed pornography. And the, the percentages go up as the ages go up. Why is there sexual abuse and sex trafficking and uh, a low regard for women and children? Abortion is still high. Why? What's going on? Satan's behind everything. You know why? Because it deadens our soul. When lives are not valued, it deadens something inside of us. And Satan is out there. You can have church, do your thing, but don't, don't worry about these issues because, you know, it's like a big secret. No, it's time to expose it for what it is. Satan is, is after the church. And he'll get the church by making us feel deadened to the needs all around us. What about the, I call it the prison industry. I don't know what else to call it. I used to work in the prison systems many years ago. But I think of it now as, as an industry. So many people work there. So many people go there. So many uh, court systems all over the country are involved with the prison industry. It's like, a, I don't know, it's like a whole system going on. And in the process, the oppressed are being oppressed. The minorities primarily are locked up. Uh, those without education are locked up and don't, don't get a, a good representation. There's a whole industry out there. Why is it like that? shouldn't be like that. Satan's behind everything. I think of what's happening in our cities. 769 shooting deaths in Chicago alone last year. 769. Shooting incidences in Detroit, D.C., New York, and Milwaukee all increased from last year. Why? Satan is behind it all. And, and we can't say that those social issues don't have an impact on the church. They do. They absolutely do. Think of this past year, 2020. The COVID problem, well, that's one problem. But then think about all the... The, the police shootings, the, the violence in, the, in our streets, uh, the protesting that got really very violent, and it kept repeating itself. Think of what's, what happened in Portland and different cities. So much unrest. What's going on in our country? And to think that that doesn't affect the church, we, we must be having our head in the sand. It, it affects us. It affects me. We're, we're ministering in this culture. And so, yeah, I mean, Haverhill, Haverhill had the, a big march in the spring. It was really a pretty powerful statement. But this is the world that we live in. But Satan wants to blind us to the needs of people. The need is people need to get right with God. Come on. Jesus is still the answer to these issues. But it's got to start in the heart of a person. But it's got to come through the church of Jesus and again, think of the whole structure. You have the leadership, you have the young people, you have everybody else, you have the anointing of God on it, and you're fighting against the devil. That's what this is all about. This is the vision God put on my heart for 2021. This is where we're at, church. We're stepping up the, the, we're stepping up the ante a little bit right here. Uh, and I, I said before, I'm hesitant to give too much credit to Satan. I really am, because I don't like to give him any credit for anything. But like I said, it would be naive not to. He's behind a lot of dysfunction in our culture. We need to pray. Well, how, how, how do we do verse number nine? How do we resist and stand steadfast? Well, first of all, can we understand we as a church are on the front lines? 
When we feel it, it's good to feel it. As a, if we didn't feel it, we'd have another problem. Some churches don't feel it because they, they've, sucked, they've gotten sucked right into it. But we feel it, you know. But we resist him. Be steadfast in the faith. Pray. Be obedient to the word. All the basically fast. Plead the blood of Jesus. Resist. Be steadfast. Go to church. Get under the leadership of the church. Submit to one another. Have the hand of God over you. All these things work together because Satan is trying to disrupt what God is doing. And so I said before, if the leadership suffers, if the leadership falls, it's a terrible thing for the church and for the community. When a leader falls morally, spiritually, whatever, in some way, it's a a mark against that church and against the church. We can't allow that to happen. But also, if if, if the, 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 the normal congregant has a falling away, and they also leave the church or leave the Lord. And their testimony is, is now marred because of what happened. That is a, a mark against the church as well. And Satan is in all of his glory. I got them now. I, I ruined their effectiveness. They thought they were so strong and so good. I'm going to get them one by one. You see, so we need to resist and, and, fight, and fight against this. And knowing, I, I love how the word is so so. Uh, so uh, so full. Like the, the last thought is, you know, if I could paraphrase the last thought of verse number nine, don't think you're the only ones. You have this big responsibility. Don't think you're the only one. Every Christian is dealing with the same thing. Every real Christian is dealing with the same thing. They're suffering. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a thing happening through all the brotherhood all over the world. So, new vision for 2021, just very succinctly, good leadership, strong leadership, being submitted to one another as brothers and sisters in spite of our differences, and fighting the good fight against the enemy. That's the vision for this church. In the process of that, I'll tell you what, uh, I I would say you're going to see God flourish and develop this church. But I'll I'll echo what someone told me I heard. The church after COVID at large will probably not be bigger. It'll probably be smaller, but it will be stronger. I see it happening already. Some people have dropped out of our our view in in the church, and we tried. But people are discouraged or whatever. But God is preserving and raising up the remnant that is stronger than the masses were before. And, and that's going to happen through this year. I'll, I'll guarantee you. So when I say God will prosper us or bless us, I don't mean necessarily in numbers. I mean in quality of Christian life and service. And that's where it's at. So, I mean, I, I, I want numbers, I, I'll confess. But I, at this point, I am way more concerned about the quality of our ministry. I'd rather be strong and powerful than big and weak. Amen? So let, let's read the verses 9 and 10. I, I'm sorry, 8 and 9. And then we'll get ready for it's on the screen. Uh, say, recite it with me. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. Those of you at home, let's just take a minute to pray. And if there's anyone that, you know what, if you need to turn over a new leaf right now and, and make a decision to follow Christ on this first Sunday, I'm, I'm going to ask you just do it in your heart. Uh, if you're here, you could raise your hand if you want to. But if you're home, uh, I can't see you, but uh, do it in your heart. Uh, put Christ first. Make a decision. Put, the leaders, put leadership in your life. Be submitted, submitted to one another and be submitted to God. And fight the devil. Fight the devil. Fight the devil. Fight him. Be steadfast. Be strong. Be immovable. Be hard-headed against the enemy. Don't be a sucker. Don't be, don't be weak. If you fall, get up again and try it again. Try it with God's help this time. You won't do it on your own. You won't do it on your own. That's why we need each other, and we need the Spirit of God to breathe His life into us. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, now. Lord, we join our hearts with anyone here, anyone at home. Uh, Lord, if anyone's receiving you now as Lord and Savior, hallelujah. We open up our hearts. We say, Lord God, come in. Come in, O God. Take out all that's not right. We repent of sin and issues and hard-headedness and stubbornness and whatever we've done or whatever we thought about, whatever, whatever, wherever we've been. Lord, forgive us and just come into our lives, O oh God, and establish your kingdom. Let us truly be born again into the kingdom of God. And Lord, I pray for everyone associated with our fellowship, maybe others that are involved with a different church, but to get the concept that leadership is there to be a blessing, not a hindrance. Leadership is there to be protection. And so I pray, Lord, that we would have strong leadership and a strong, strong shepherds and strong sheep as well. Lord, may we all submit to one another. May our black brothers and brown brothers and Asian brothers and sisters and white brothers and sisters and Native American, whatever we are, let us, let us, let us embrace that difference but love each other because we're looking beyond all that. And we're seeing the beauty. We're all created in your image, oh God. When we see the homeless, or we see the wealthy person, or we see the one that dropped out of school, the one with the PhD, Lord, we're all the same. It's all equal at the cross. So, Lord, help us to be submitted to one another in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, help us to be aware in 2021 that there is an enemy of our soul. Lord, we won't give him credit for everything. We, we have our own responsibility. We have our flesh to contend with. But there is a demonic aspect that you warn us about. And so we pray, Lord, that we as your people would be aware of the attacks of the enemy. We would be strong. We would be established in our churches. We would, we would be established with our own uh, armor of the Lord around us, Ephesians 6. And that we would recognize that the enemy has come to kill us and to destroy our testimony. But you've come to give us life, and we need more of you and less of him. So, Lord, help us to stand against the wiles of the enemy throughout this year. And we thank you and we praise you for it. Father, as we get ready for communion right now, may our hearts settle. Uh, may we just settle in you right now as we contemplate how this is all possible. It's possible because you gave your life, you gave your heart, you gave your spirit for your church. And that heart, that spirit, that life resides in the living church of today.
So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Um, did everyone get your communion set up? Um, if you need one, raise your hand. And uh, Bill will make sure you have one. Before we do this, we have a special video song. So let's just uh, watch and listen and allow the Holy Spirit to uh, minister to us during this time. Jesus, oh, I praise you, Lord, praise you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen. Well, we have a church because Jesus purchased the church. It's his church. At that last supper, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Father, Lord God, thank you so much, so much. Lord, you have a whole plan. You have a whole system in place for humanity to get right, to get right. You have a whole thing. Thank you for your church. But Lord, thank you for your broken body that makes this possible. Thank you, Lord, that you came, you emptied yourself, you came, you lived a sinless life, you gave your life on the cross. Willingly, you died for us that we might have eternal life. So, Lord, we, we're reminded as we partake of this bread today that, uh, that you came to give your life away as a ransom that we would be purchased into your household, into your family. So thank you, Jesus, for... Uh, your broken body, your brokenness, that we could be saved and made whole. In Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread together. Those of you at home, I hope you're joining with us with... uh, some water or juice or whatever and a piece of bread or a cracker. But after that supper, Jesus took the cup. He blessed it and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in which there is remission of sins. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, oh Lord, how could we ever thank you enough that by your stripes we're healed, by your blood we're covered and we're set free from the penalty of our sin. We want to thank you, Lord, that you, you made all this possible. It cost you everything. But now we have everything. We are so appreciative, Lord, for, and, and for your continued mercy upon your church. Thank you, Lord, for never giving up on your people. May, may this act of obedience right now in taking communion, may it be a reminder for us of all you've done for us, but may it also bring some spiritual strength to us. Let, let our obedience produce blessing in our lives for this new year. We pray, Lord, that whatever entrapped us last year, whatever sin or mindset or whatever, whatever attitude would be in the past that we would bury it under the blood of Christ, and that we would be set free to serve you with a clean heart in this new year. So, Lord, thank you for shedding your blood that we would be cleansed from our sin. In Jesus' name. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. And amen. Why don't we stand together? We'll close out in a word of prayer. I want to invite you all to come back on live stream tonight for an hour of prayer from 6 to 7. 
that would be very uh, important for us to join again one more time to pray. Let's pray right now as we close out. Father, thank you, Lord, for... Oh, Lord, this was a special Sunday. Um, I sense your presence. I sense your anointing. I sense your direction for the church. So, Lord, renew us. Let us, let us get the... Let, Lord, let our spiritual vision be really crystal clear, not only today, but throughout the entire year. Let us, Lord, let us be able to recognize your hand of blessing, your hand of correction, your hand of guidance. Let us be able to discern the times that we're living in. And uh, Lord, let our, let our vision be so clear we could see you high and lifted up. And our lives would be affected by that, not only on this first Sunday, but every day of this new year. We seek your blessing and your covering. We thank you in advance for it. We pray for victory upon victory and give you all the praise. This we pray in the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, Happy New Year. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Have a great day today.